What's up, guys? We are back again with Artist to Artist, presented by Artist Republic. Um, once again, it's Nick, it's Christian. I definitely think you guys know us by now. Um, this week, really dope artist hopping on for all the independent artists out there. You actually probably may know him, you may not, I don't know. Um, his name is Ryan Oakes, um, guy that I actually met up at a concert in Boston. Great guy. Um, where I think a really cool independent artist story that I think a lot of, you know, everyone's going to connect to, um, and really, you know, get some value out of it. Um, so let me bring him in. Yo. 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 What's poppin'? <laughs> What's up, man? Not much fucking locked in my house in the studio. What are you guys doing? Same, yeah. but not in a studio. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Yeah, no, I get, I get that, you know quarantine's real right now oh yeah um but yeah man so you know obviously thanks for hopping on um sure. great to kind of have you in the in the artist public realm um you know obviously i know we met up in boston for a little bit uh i actually saw you when uh, you were up there with like dylan reese and all of them um so you know we talked a little bit and i heard a little bit kind of about your independent artist story um i think it's an insane story um, I think it's really cool. I think a lot of artists can connect to it. Um, and so that's why I really wanted to bring you on today and kind of, you know, share your story of, you know, how you kind of jumped off the cliff and what you learned and, you know, how that may be, you know, what tips you can give to other guys that are trying to break through, um, and stuff of that sort. Um, so I guess the first question is like, tell a little bit about your story. Like when did you get into independent music? When did you kind of make that jump? How'd you make the jump? Um, and like, you know, what'd you learn from it so far? So I started music, I started making like parody songs kind of in middle school and I didn't really think anything of it. I was just on GarageBand making beats with their like really bad loops and like making, I think my first song was called Blow Me For Money or some stupid title, like just dumb seventh grade stuff. And then when I got to high school, I kind of just put stuff down. I was playing a lot of guitar in middle school too and like learned to read really well music wise and stuff. Um, and just kind of put it all down because I was starting to play sports year round. And once you get to high school, it's like a full-time commitment. And my senior year, well, the summer going to my senior year, I was just really bored one day. <clears throat> and I found some random beat on YouTube, started making music. And like the second I made that first song, it was just like super addicted. I didn't have scholarships lined up yet, but I was supposed to rack up a bunch of scholarships for lacrosse my senior year. And I just quit. I just completely cold turkey all the sports I was like this is what I'm gonna do now this is the coolest thing I've ever like ever to me so I quit sports everyone's like what are you doing you're an idiot um I still went to college and graduated and stuff but once I graduated college my degree was in health and human performance and so I was a personal trainer for about a week after college and then I was like you work from like 5 30 a.m to 9 30 a.m then from like noon to two on people's lunch breaks and then like after dinner till bedtime and i was like this actually blows so like two weeks in i quit and one of my friends had uh, a room opening up in la because he had to finish his last semester at uh, west virginia university connor and i just took his room and i was like yo i'm just gonna go to la right now like i saved up a bunch of money like for when i was ready to make a leap and when i just decided to i moved to la and then once i moved to la um things just start to fall into place once you take the leap in my mind um like one of my songs blew up drinking about you blew up it started paying all my bills then everything else kind of just like trickled down organically everything kind of took off in the streaming realm and then like you said you met me on dylan's tour that was like my first headline tour i've done a 
couple more tours right now, and I was going to headline with my friend Justin, but the coronavirus just canceled it, and that's pretty much where we are now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's that's where we all ended up. Um, so that's that's kind of a question. Is so now with coronavirus, right, and this is something I've kind of brought up to everyone because obviously it's all on everyone's mind. Um, what are you doing through it? Like, are you getting live shows ready for after this? Are you working a lot on digital stuff? Like, what are you, how, what are you doing through all this to kind of like progress your career? Um, I'm not really worried about touring, honestly, probably till next year, I'm guessing is when we're going to be able to start doing that stuff again. They, I keep just reading stuff all over the place. We were going to move the spring tour to fall and then we see that 2021 is when concerts will be a thing. Like no one really knows. So we kind of just halted all tour plans and it's just, I learned how to produce music like I'm crushing I'm making my own album now like producing all the beats and stuff um I got super addicted to producing music while I was in quarantine because I had nothing else to do yeah um just like knocking out songs I can't really shoot that many videos but I've been shooting like lyric breakdown videos to drop with every song and stuff like that just like cool content on the side um but yeah not really worrying about touring at all because I don't know what's going to happen with all this stuff so yeah yeah no that's 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 a good point and none of us really know um, so on the digital side, like, obviously, you know, you've had a couple songs that have done really well. Um, you know, what is your kind of like, not like technique, but like almost like, what's like your secret sauce? Like, what do you like to throw in? Cause like, we all know that you can't just release a song and just hope and just pray that it's going to blow up. Like you got to put the work in around it. Like, what is your kind of like dynamic mix that you find works? Like, like you said, like, is it mixing in like the creative content, like behind the lyrics and, you know, stuff like that. Like, what do you kind of throw in to kind of help get the full realm um, to kind of help a song gain its traction? So the best thing that you could do as like an independent artist when it comes to that stuff is just stay up to date with the times. Like when SoundCloud reposts were a big thing, I would be paying SoundCloud blogs to repost it when like, I don't know how long you guys have been like into the, like the college mu- or like the music scene, but like college of music websites and like mm-hmm. um, all those, that was like a really long time ago, like right when I was starting yeah. out, the big music blog were an important thing to get on and then it kind of shifted to the youtube blog so i would hit up all the youtube channels like uh, swaggy tracks promoting sounds and then it was the spotify playlisting so you hit up the independent playlist but i would recommend not doing that because a lot of them now are just bots and it's going to really screw up your um, natural spotify algorithm so I, I don't do anything like that anymore but i mean staying consistent staying up to date with the times dropping the money that you can for like marketing things i really uh have not done any marketing at all besides free things for like the last two years up until now i pay a marketing company we're just getting started so i don't really know how well it's going to work so i won't like put that out there but um yeah just releasing a a lot of music messaging people i would message youtubers like big youtubers on their email saying you can use my music for free because there's a whole copyright thing going around Mm -hmm. that they all hate so i'd say hey you can use my music you won't get flagged i would send like probably like 40 youtubers an email a day just stuff like that. Just like being smart, using your brain, being creative is what I found helps the most. Yeah. That was actually a big thing that came up in the first podcast was like the copyright issues of like, you almost don't want to over copyright your songs because then you don't get the free placements. Right. Exactly. Um, I make sure I don't over copyright. Yeah. 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 No, that's a, that's a smart thing. And so like, how have you seen, like, have you seen that helping with growth? Like just being everywhere yeah it does like i'll see um jake paul and his one of his old girlfriends used one of my songs in their videos and it helped it gain a lot of traction um it it does it does help but it doesn't help as much as i thought it would like sometimes it helps more than it it, and sometimes it doesn't do anything i guess Mm because some people won't even put the damn 
title and or link in the description. So it. um, it's pretty hit or miss in my experience. Got it. So play, trade, uh, you know, tracking placements and stuff like that. I know when we, when we did the talk with Jay Wright, uh, you know, he kind of went track, you know, placements in totally different areas. Like he's been Netflix and stuff like that. Um, have you tried to pursue that route at all? Like going, you know, kind of like the bigger placements? Um, I just don't have access to the resources. I have, I have two songs in one movie called the Florida project. It was like nominated for some awards and something, but it was supposed to be like a small budget movie and it kind of blew up. Um, they just randomly hit me up back in even the SoundCloud days when I was in college and they were like, Hey, we're making this independent film. Like we want to use your songs. Can we use them? We can't pay you. There's no budget for this movie really at all. And they were just like, it can either be in the movie or it can't be in the movie. And I was like, yeah, just take them, just put them in the movie. Um, and then little did I know, like two years later, it came out and then it like blew up. And at, people even on quarantine now that they have more time, have been messaging me and they're like, bro, we literally just heard your song in this movie. But um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, obviously got to be open to stuff like that. But it's like the resource thing. I really don't have access to those resources yet, honestly. Okay. So that, that, and that actually kind of gives a, a good point because like that's something that like we're always trying to do in artist public is like help an independent artist get the resources they need. Mm -hmm. um you know how did you go about like when you jumped off the cliff and you went to LA and you're like all right things started kind of ticking up but like how did you break into like the resources there like what what did you do because like obviously LA is huge there's a bunch of artists it's you know super populated in that area um you know how did you kind of try to break through the noise so it's pretty funny people ask me like what exactly living in LA has done for like my music career and stuff all the time and the short and sweet answer is absolutely nothing which is really funny everything that's happened since I moved to LA um was like through online through like myself reaching out and stuff like that no like coincidentally running into a guy who changed my life and stuff but I think that making the jump to move here was fully investing into myself and my career which is what, where the big turnaround was because it kind of hit that panic thing where it's like, oh my God, if I don't make something happen soon, like I will be screwed and I'll have to go back to working a job. I was, yeah. When I moved here, I was making like probably like 500 bucks a month off my music royalties, which was like nothing. But I mean, I saved up a pretty big chunk of money over the course of the years for when I was ready to move to LA. So I was in the red for probably, probably I think like six or seven months when I, when I moved to LA. And then when that's when I really started putting out a ton of music like probably every week or every other week yeah and just by doing that I got a lot better I, I've been experimenting still like even now this year I changed my style to like more Linkin Park punk pop vibes um and I was trying to go super pop two years ago and like I've just been experimenting so much and I think me moving here and working in with rooms uh with people with like different musical backgrounds helped me a lot mm -hmm. Um, but like the tours and stuff, nothing, nothing was given to me because of LA. It was more so just like online stuff, but I will say being here in LA helped me become the musician I am today, which is in a position to now get in those big rooms with bigger people, have label meetings, like get yeah. bigger tours, bigger opportunities come around. Um, a bunch of my friends moved here and got multi-million dollar record deals and stuff. So like it definitely helps, but it, it hasn't done anything yet so far. Okay. Yeah. So, and, I mean, you're a big guy from on networking and, you know, reaching out to people and kind of just getting it that way. Um, obviously, we all know there are, there is definitely a stark difference between artists that can network well and artists that just don't. Right. Um, and so, you know, that was a big thing. I, I think we've seen in all of the podcasts that we've been doing is a lot of guys saying, like, don't just hit someone up and be like, yo, play my track. Or like, 
hey, here's my track. Like, you're not just, if you're selling shoes, you're not going to message someone and be like, try this new shoe. You're going to be like, you know, you're going to sell it. Um, so, like, what is your tip on for artists trying to get out there and sell themselves? Like, what did you find that, like, worked when you were trying to represent yourself? Like, how did you go about it? Um, one of my best strategies, I think, is, like, planting seeds. So, like, if there's a dude that's bigger than me that I know I want to collab with, even, even if you're not verified, but it's because I'm verified now, I'll pop up in people's DMs higher and stuff. Um, yeah. So I'll just message them and be like, I love your music, bro. And then they'll see I'm verified. They'll be like, wait, who is this? And they go to my profile and they'll like kind of get an idea. Mm-hmm. And then when they drop again, I'll be like, bro, you are killing it still. Like, this is awesome. And then they just like, they get really hype when you're really nice to them and you don't start asking for things right off the bat. And then it's like, then you message them again. And you're like, bro, I love the way you write songs. Like, I'd love to just sit in a session and like, see how you create things and like just check things out and then it eventually like i'm really good at being patient to like watching things just grow into better things i would say mm-hmm. um that's always been my strategy even with tours and stuff um like i i toured this dude named ryan caraveo and i think yeah. i remember the way i got those dates was he dropped them and i was like i went to my spotify analytics and i just like sent him screenshots i was like bro like you don't even have to pay me for this like i'll just show up to these cities i'll bring a decent amount of fans out it'll be cool. I want touring experience. You have the tour booked. I can't book a tour. I'm not big enough. So let me just show up to these cities and you can keep the money for my fans coming. And he was super down. He's nice enough to actually buy my flight, which is dope that we've come to the East Coast. But um, yeah, just like not asking for things and being willing to like invest in other people's time and like resources. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's a great point. Because that's the thing, like if you're always chasing, like you have to offer them value for them to offer you value right yeah and i feel so like I a like, lot of artists forget that yeah so i like always make sure that i make the first offer value wise yeah yeah before just yeah. asking people for favors and like features and all that stuff yeah yeah no that's that's a good point it's like what what and, and that's across everything like anyone like even people trying to get a job like yeah. you know what can you offer that company like they're not just going to hire you because you know, they're nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, what are they going to do? That's going like, what can you offer? Um, so with that being said, speaking of people that offered stuff for free, um, I'll let Christian hop in. Um, I don't know. Christian told me a funny story. Christian, I'll let you tell a story. I'll, I'll what? see how you, how we lay this out. <laughs> what story are we talking about? How I know Ryan or? Yeah. Oh yeah. I was a photographer in one of his music videos. I was paparazzi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He told me yeah. that story the other day. When I, when, I, when I told him, when I sent him the invite, he's like, oh, shit, Ryan's going on? I was like, yeah, how do you know him? He's like, great story. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I just, like, put an Instagram message up, and Christian hit me back, and I was like, thank God. I needed photographers to, like, pretend they were, like, paparazzi in a music video, and he was super down. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty dope. But uh, now that he's handing it off to me, I kind of want to bring it back to more of a bigger picture about um, – artistry in your career so you know what for you was one of the harder parts about kind of making it into a career I know you said you hit you know you got out here and you were in the red things like that but what specifically was kind of like the hurdles that you had to jump over um generating income was like the biggest one it's like super scary to like willingly move into a new state where you barely know anyone with no source of income and being like damn i might just burn through all my bank account right now and then move back home so like having the confidence to know that the music i was making was good enough to it to so that it could get me to like a point where i was making the money off of it was the biggest one um 
networking is really good too like i had to find people that could do things for a lot cheaper than normal or like do things for free for a while like free pictures low budget videos um just like stuff like that is the hardest i think in my opinion like getting off the floor and like networking and making the team of people you need is definitely the hardest for sure and you know a lot of a lot of people when they look at you or they look at other artists who have made it right they they think like oh wow this guy just popped up out of nowhere he's obviously an overnight success mm -hmm. but that is so not true like how long did it take you you know i don't i don't know like the span of time it took you from when you got to la to where you are now like to where you felt comfortable like how long was that it's been like three years i think yeah I think okay. when when you when you brought up like the people not knowing how long it took, I did like the math the other month, and it was like the last eight years on average, I've dropped a song every two or three weeks. Like so, like just to put that into people's perspective, like it takes a long time. Yeah, absolutely. There's no such thing as overnight success. Mm. Yeah. Right. And it also takes a while. I feel like too for like listeners to connect the song they're listening to to the artist. <laughs> right. Um. Like I don't even know how long you know you and uh the other the other uh Seatrox was on my playlist a lot uh i mean arizona service has been on my playlist way before he blew up on tiktok mm -hmm. and so like you have these guys that are sitting on playlists and just people's playlists and they're listening to them every day and then they make that connection like oh that's this guy this is a guy and then they start connecting it and like that's when the fan bases start to grow Mm -hmm. um and i feel like it also takes yeah it takes a while for those people to connect um you know i know artists i listen to now like there i was one of like one of my favorite edm artists right now is elenium and i was looking looking through spotify or no sorry soundcloud and i found this old remix by elenium that i haven't heard of since probably eighth eighth grade or ninth grade um mm -hmm. and i had no idea that that was elenium's remix i just knew yeah. this was some really good remix that i loved and I had no idea that future connection, but it takes that long. And I, I feel like a lot of artists don't realize like, okay, it does take that long. Like yeah. people probably look at Arizona right now and they're like, oh, he's an overnight success. It's like, no, this guy's been putting out music since at least 2015 on Spotify. Um, Dude, I was in his farmhouse in West Virginia that he probably paid a hundred bucks a month to rent to like live at. Like I was with this kid when he was in the sticks and like at his porch, it's crazy to yeah. see like all the shit that's happening. Yeah. I mean, even, yeah. Yeah, no, that's it's a good point. And like, you, you see that and you're like, wait, where did that come from? And people are looking at it like, oh, is that right? No, it, it's been a long time coming. Yeah, really long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even I look at, we were just talking about it last episode, like one, one of my favorite lyricists right now is Chris Webby. And the guy's been around for 11 years now. Yeah, he's and been like so long. Yeah, and like, you look at it and it's like, he comes to Connecticut every black friday and sells out a venue but mm -hmm. he's been doing that for now 11 years That's and crazy. He, yeah and he jokes about it he's like oh look like they say it takes 10 years to make an overnight success and guess what it's been 10 years so i guess i must be successful mm -hmm. uh, but yeah you know it's true like these guys take a while um which kind of a question for you off of that um is like where do you see your career going because like, I know everyone has that vision of, like, where they want to be or, like, where they're at right now. And, like, you look at a guy like Chris Webby, who is very content with being this regional, local, independent artist, probably pulls in, I mean, I think if you probably ran a rough estimate, probably 200K, 300K a year from streaming, and just is content. 
Um, you know, like, where do you see yourself on the independent artist spectrum? So I have, I've had to think about this a lot recently because I am at a point now where like people are reaching out and stuff. Um, no matter what, I came to the conclusion that I think I'll be okay. Like if I stay independent, I think I'm smart enough to get myself to higher levels, bigger opportunities, get myself in front of more people, invest money in the right places to grow and market. Um, but I mean, I'm definitely not closing the door on labels like I thought I would a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on, honestly, behind the scenes, like with my music and stuff, um, where it just makes a lot of sense to like let a label step in. But I mean, everyone I know in a record deal currently besides two people, and I know probably like 10 people in like really goodish deal situations, absolutely hates their label. They're upset with them like all the time. Um, yeah. Two of my friends just got signed and they're killing it for them. Like they're in the most ideal scenario I think I'd, I've ever seen a label give someone. But, um, I don't want to close the door on that. And I really would like to sign honestly in the next year or two, just because the levels I'm, I'm putting in a lot more money. I'm having a lot more people work on it and mix on it and like play instruments on it. I still write everything, but I let more people step in and like try their version of what they think and all this stuff. And it's just really expensive. And I want the music to sound massive so that I can grow um, radio potential and stuff like that. But I mean, if none of that works out at the end of the day, like I'm not going to stress myself out because I know that I will be able to get myself to where I want to be, like without yeah. it. And at the end of the day, you're doing what, I mean, what everything, I mean, it's the same kind of thing with like me and entrepreneurship, like you're waking up and doing something you love. Yeah, doesn't 100%. Matter. Yeah. Um, but all right, with that being said, I know we do kind of want to close it out because I know you have an insanely important call to hop on. Um, Dude, which, that's at 4.30 PST, not your time. Oh, You're chilling. Oh, 4.30 30 time yes. wrong, my bad. Oh, okay. I thought 4.30 EST. I was like, oh, god damn. Um, really. I was like, we're getting close now. I was like, you got to get mentally prepped. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's kind of it on my questions. Uh, Christian, <laughs> feel free to hop back in. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different things that we could talk about here. And I really wrote down kind of the minimum amount of questions that I could ask just so we could kind of base it as more of a conversation as opposed to a bullet list of questions. But what are some of the misconceptions that growing artists have about the independent industry? You know, a lot of people see it and they see the glamour, they see, they see the social media and, you know, everyone wants Ryan Oak's life. Like what are some of those misconceptions that they might find to be, I guess, less than, uh, less than appealing once they get there? um probably honestly like it looks cool like when we're all in the studios all the time on instagram and like working super hard but like i really do just wake up every day roll out of bed and go into a studio until i go to sleep and it's like super repetitive and it gets super annoying at times um you get like super in your head like no one sees how hard some of like some of the independent independent artists i know that are at my level too are like complete workaholics i'm a workaholic like you have to be like truly addicted to music to honestly get to where we are. And it's not even that, like people think that we've made it. And I guess the fact that we live off of music, we do technically say that we made it, but it's just like, we are nowhere near where we want to be. Like every day I still wake up and worry about like not getting the numbers I want, mm -hmm. not working hard enough. Am I good enough? Like still questioning it to get to the levels where I want to be. And it's, it's a lot more bad than good on the independent side i think like even with the touring stuff i was telling people i was like nothing about touring is fun except the 30 minutes you're on stage 
the rest of it is like, holy shit, I'm so tired and I have to go drive eight hours. Or you're dealing with a venue that's like trying to get money from you and they don't want to give you your full payment because you did something wrong or something. It's take a cut your merch is ridiculous like it's getting underpaid a lot too for gigs because they won't book independent artists for like advances like you just use terrible ticket splits for like 30 percent of the ticket money and they take 70 percent um yeah it's just a lot of like annoying bs you have to deal with on a daily basis that you wouldn't really have to if you were on this big record label and like you had a team working for you um and like planning your days and planning your own video shoots figuring out how to jump on tours at 10 times harder as an independent artist, finding venues to book you 10 times harder, just like stuff like that. Yeah. Just kind of doing it all by yourself is, yeah. I guess a lot, a, a big load to carry. Um, and that's why a lot of people, and you even kind of mentioned it a little bit is it's important to have a team of people around you that yeah. are going to help support you and elevate you to that next level so that you don't feel weighed down by all of the BS and that you can focus on the music. Mm. And that's, I know a lot of people, that's kind of their end goal is to, they don't want to worry about the marketing. They don't want to worry about running their social media. They really just want to focus on making the music because that's what they love. They didn't love right. all the other stuff. That stuff's just necessary. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important for up and coming artists to know things like that. Some of the, again, some of the misconceptions and understanding that it's not all uh, cotton candy and butterflies never yeah definitely not yeah there's always something that goes wrong oh yeah that's always something well i mean that i mean even even going off of that like that's like we i'll never forget when i thought of building the show tool for artist public we were i was sitting backstage at michael waves tour in connecticut i was talking to him and he was so pissed off because he had four openers on the show and two of them showed up and out of the two only one of them actually sold the amount of tickets that they promised mm-hmm. And I was sitting there, I was like, dude, there's got to be a better way to do that. Um, and that, that was when I like, came on the show to I was like, dude, like, if you are able to actually look at an artist's track record and be like, you bailed on six shows, I'm not booking you. Yeah. Instead of being like, yeah, my cousin's nephew's brother's dog walker's owner's son is a rapper. Mm-hmm. Like, can he be on your show? And it's like, I don't know anyone in Connecticut, so I guess. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it's tough. It's tough because a lot of the music industry, especially on the independent side, is underground. Like even when you said about playlisting, like if you're playlisting through a record label, it's pretty like you know what you're getting. Right. You're playlisting on yourself, like you're kind of up to you know the trustworthy of the playlister, and there's no way to prove whether they're legit or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually guilty as hell about the opener stuff too, dude. When I was like starting off, I used to lie about how many tickets I could sell to get shows honestly like it's just yeah so that's why dude every show we have people undersell tickets that are openers and i'm like i get it like i i did that <laughs> i lied to so yeah. many people bro i lied to sammy adams mike stud like all these people and they always booked me and then once they none of them really cared i guess how many tickets i sold because they were always packed venues but yeah. i mean um once they saw my live set and you make your live set really good they didn't care they were just like all right that was dope it's all good yeah I, I used to have that. Like, there, there were a couple guys, like, when I would host EDM concerts, like, they were just good. Like, I knew they wouldn't sell tickets, and I knew I couldn't even get them to sell a single ticket because that's just not how they work, but they were good. Yeah. And it's just like, all right, at that point, you're booking for talent. Like, right. if you can sell 35 tickets and you suck, you're still probably not going to get booked. But at least mm-hmm. if you're good and you can compensate for that, yeah, you're going to have, you know, kind of the same kind of value. Yeah, definitely. And that, that makes me get another question in my head is, like, 
what elements of your live show are what you consider to be like the selling points for the Ryan Oak show? Um, I honestly just work out a lot and I'm really in shape. So the energy is always there and it's like always super present. So I literally never run out of breath and I'm pretty much sprinting back and forth and like pacing the whole show and jumping around and like in the crowd, me and my friends are really good at like going into the crowd and like making eye contact with fans and like playing a song and like really connecting with people or like slowing everyone down, putting the attention on ourselves and like putting out like a deep song that like people can connect you to. It's just like super intimate. We make sure we're intimate with everyone. Um, some of my shows on the last store had like over 200 tickets sold. We still sat around and met everyone no matter what. We did not leave until everyone had like their pictures and their meet and greets and everything for free. Um, and like even before shows, we'd like come outside, hang out with fans. Like I think we brought some of them hot chocolate one day. Um, some of them brought us hot chocolate, which is awesome. Like they brought a bunch of gifts, which is super cool. But yeah, just like being super human and approachable, I think helps yeah. people want to come around more. Especially kind of. And I was gonna say, especially on like that independent side, because yeah. every single fan matters. Mm -hmm. And they yeah. know that, like, especially the last tours. When I think a lot of people were like, "Wow, I actually matter," because they'd bring us like snacks and stuff, and be like, "I hope this saves you money." Like, because realistically, when I'm touring now, I'm not making anything. Like, I'm just breaking even if I'm lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that yeah. all kind of comes down to the whole idea of building a, a relationship with your fan base and you know, being able to provide a show experience that makes the fans feel like you put in all of your effort to give them the best experience possible is that's what kind of retains those fans. You know, they, they might have heard your music in the past and they love it and that's why they went to see you. But then once they're at the show and they see that you care even more so to like jump into the crowd and to stay back and get the pictures with them, that, that ends up being a retainer for lack of a better word to keep mm -hmm. those fans coming for the next show and you know you know what i'm saying yeah definitely yeah no i like that um going off that though i know i know we got our timer up so we have about nine nine minutes left um closing statement i always like we always like to ask everyone there was one piece of advice you could give to any independent artist what would it be to just trust your gut at all times. Like everywhere I've gone in this journey has gone against my brain at some points. Like the logical decision, I've gone against logical decisions a lot just because I had a feeling in my gut that going a different way was better. Um, that's probably the best advice I could give someone because my gut has taken me pretty far, I would argue. Um, yeah, that's, that's all I can think of really. Love that, Love that. great advice. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big believer in gut feeling, so that works for me. Um, all right, so that works for me. We will wrap up this recording, um, then we'll close out after that. Uh, once again, I would like to thank everyone, you know, for watching, and obviously, you know, Ryan, thank you again for hopping on. Um, thank you. you know, the hope, the hope is with all of this is, you know, at least there's hopefully one artist every episode that just gets something out of it, mm -hmm. um, and you know, we can push to kind of just be a better version of themselves. Um, so, all right, I will wrap up the recording, and then that'll be done.
Double barrel, make it quick and painless Maybe then I'll find 